0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Orca Nerd Podcast. I let everyone know on the Orca Nerd Facebook page that I was having some trouble getting guests on the show for future episodes. I asked some audience members on what they would like to hear, and now I have some direction. Thank you again to Else Van Vessum for your feedback. This episode in specific has tested my knowledge and my patience with all of the information from both sides. I will always remind you guys that I don't have a degree of any sort and I am simply an orca nerd wanting to know more about orcas. A lot of this information was new to me and this took me a while to figure out lawsuits and law documentations and scientific papers. And this is kind of a newer episode as well Um, i'm going to be giving both captivity version and also anti-captivity version for you guys to make your own decision so first i'm going to start off with telling you um, a little story about morgan the orca Now, June 24th of 2010, a young orca was found underweight and malnourished in the Waden Sea off of the coast of the Netherlands. A team from the Dolphinarium Hardvik was asked to assist with with the orca's rescue in order to give emergency medical treatment. The young orca was estimated to be about one to two years old and was given the name Morgan. After just a few months in the Dolphinarium, Morgan was fattened up to the proper weight of close to 1,500 pounds. Now this is where we're going to get into the captivity and anti-captivity, and of course I'll point you guys through that as needed. Just like any animal rescue, the next steps was to figure out which pod of orca Morgan belonged to. Now this is going to start the captivity side of this story. So according to Loro Park or Loro Parque, uh, their website which I will link below for you, the Dolphinarium contacted the Project North Atlantic Killer Whale ID Project and this group was scientists from all over the European countries that study orca. The Dolphinarium was able to use three types of identification for Morgan to do more research into finding her family. One method was photo identification. As I have said in a previous episode, photo identification is used to pinpoint a whale in specific, not so much Who does Morgan belong to? Her ID photos were also sent to local researchers to make sure that any possible unidentified calves could be checked with the hopes that they could find her family. The next type of research the Dolphinarium looked into was DNA. Just like humans, you can identify family members. They were not able to find exact matches, but they were able to find out that she was part of the Norwegian herring-eating population. And last but not least, acoustics were recorded from Morgan with a hydrophone to hear her calls different times of the day. With over 120 hours worth of recordings in a week's time, they were able to make pictures of the vocalizations and make them into a spectrograph. Now the Dolphinarium then used Morgan's spectrographs and compared them to wild orca recordings. Once again, the research done on the acoustics were pointing to Morgan being part of the Norwegian herring-eating population of orca. Now, with all of this research finding together, the Dolphinarium then sent this information to seven different scientific advisors. With all seven votes unanimous, Morgan was declared not fit for release. I will be linking each individual study that is provided on Laura Parquet's website, including the actual final report sent to the seven scientists down below in the description box. This is the easiest way for me to get you guys the information without having any issues with copyright infringements. With the final decision made to keep Morgan in captivity, the Dolphinarium now needed to find Morgan a new place to live with certain guidelines set in place by the Ministry of Economic Affairs, Agriculture, and Innovations. According to this document, which I will link below, the criteria set for Morgan were as followed, must be with other orca, at a location that is suitable for homing large marine mammals, and a place where there was emphasis on education. And of course, all of this information was being watched around the world by international researchers. In May of 2011, the Dolphinarium declared that Loro Park was a good fit for Morgan. With permits from the Dutch government, Morgan was on her way to Laurel Park. Now for this part of the episode, this is going to be anti-captivity. As said previously, the whole world was watching about Morgan's rescue. When the rescue was happening, experts such as Dr. Ingrid Visser were trying to come up with rehabilitation plans for Morgan just in case she was not able to return to the wild waters without assistance. One of the suggestions was to move Morgan into a sea pen sanctuary. This way, Morgan could still be in her natural habitat, but still have human intervention if needed. Experts were still trying to fight for Morgan to get her back into wild waters, while the Dutch government had already ruled Morgan to be moved to Laura Park. Making sure that all of the information was correct and rechecked, a white-page document was written by Matthew Spigel and Dr. Ingrid Fischer to show the courts and the Dutch government that this was not an actual rescue, but an attempt to whale launder. In captivity terms, this means to get fresh genetics into the mix while making it seem like the orca was not able to be released. And I will be linking the 120 page plus document below for you guys to check out. Evidence that supports the whale laundering claim was the fact that SeaWorld had sent four orcas over from their facilities in the US to Laura Park on a breeding loan in 2006. Having Morgan there as a young female orca can now bring new revenue in with a potential new calf. Even in this article I found from Orlando Sentinel, which is kind of where I am at in Florida, from 2005, reciting that SeaWorld has a financial agreement with Laura Park and that Laura Park does not own the whales outright. I, of course, will link this article below. I will also be linking a TED Talk YouTube video of Dr. Ingrid Visser explaining the situation with Morgan as to who owns Morgan, who owns which park, and why this is a failure on Animal Entertainment Parks. A small tidbit of info I would like for you guys to know is that Lower Park had come out very quickly after Morgan's arrival and said that she was deaf. So let's take this into two different directions. Was Morgan actually deaf and was just not known before? Or is this just a factor for the park to keep Morgan in captivity? I'll let you decide. In 2016, SeaWorld had announced to the public that it would no longer be breeding their orcas. Now, the four original orcas that were sent to Laura Park was also included in the no breeding policy. Now, in 2018, two major events happened. One, Morgan had a calf named Ula. And second, SeaWorld had given up the rights to those four original whales. In your opinion, what do you think this means? I would love to hear any comments or opinions that you guys have on this subject. There is so much more information and honestly, this one might be better for you guys to check into yourselves. I wanted to make this episode as non-biased as possible for you guys. And of course, I will link Dr. Visser's Free Morgan Foundation website and also Laurel Park's website for you guys to check out both sides of the information. Like I had mentioned previously, this episode was such an eye-opener. I'm very happy that this episode is finished. My brain has been at its wit's end with all of this information. And all of it was so worth it since I, myself, had never heard of Laurel Park or Morgan the Orca until the documentary Blackfish. Again, I will link all of the information I can possibly give you guys to make your own decision. If you would like, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on Facebook. Just drop a comment with this episode and just keep the discussion clean and please no arguing. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will talk soon. Take care, Orca nerds.